Welcome to the Glory Mountain Church podcast. For more information on our church and ways to support what God is doing here, visit glorymountain.com. Good morning. It's so good to see you in church this morning. How many of you know this is the best place you can be on a Sunday morning? Amen? Look to your neighbor and say, you are looking good this morning. Just tell someone that today. All right? And say this at them also. Together, we are making a difference. Just tell someone that this morning. Together, we are making a difference. We are starting a brand new series today called Stronger Together. And we are so excited about what God is going to be doing this month. You know, God's way works. And that includes our relationships. Whether you're married or whether you have interpersonal relationships, God wants to be involved in every part of that. And his way is different than the world around us. And, you know, God's way is the best way in relationships. It really is. And his love for us is the supreme example. It's the best example of becoming stronger together. And so in this series, we want to look at God's way to handle our most important relationships. And this week is going to be fundamental, but it's necessary to lay a good foundation because all of us have relationships. You know, whether with our parents or with our employees or with our boss or with our family, you know, our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, our in-laws, our outlaws, you know, whatever the case is, we have relationships with people and we want to make those the very best possible. We have a theme verse for this series and it's found in Ephesians chapter four, verse number 16. From the New Living Version, it says, Christ has put each part of the church in its right place. Each part helps other parts. This is what is needed to keep the whole body together. In this way, the whole body grows strong in love. You know, that word together means unified, encouraged, uplifted, full of hope, and just having the zest in life that you need. And we're going to talk about that. And God has designed us to develop within us a love that lasts. Not a love that fades away, not a love that's going to diminish, but a love that's going to last and he did that from the beginning of time. We don't have it on the screen for you, but I want you to take your Bibles and actually turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 25. I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 25. And here's what it says in verse 18, actually. God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper and a companion. Verse 18 and 19. So God formed from the dirt of the ground all the animals of the field and the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Obviously, this was Adam. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The man named the cattle. Named the birds of the air. Named the wild animals. 
but he didn't find a suitable companion. Everyone say a suitable companion. Yeah, in verse 21, God put the man into a deep sleep. Now, that's probably why us men like to sleep in every Saturday morning, right? We just like to sleep. God designed it. God said, you know, Adam, putting you into a deep sleep. And as he slept, God removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. God then used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman. And I love this next part. And presented her to the man. Can't you just see this? Okay, Adam, wake up. He woke up and next to him was this beautiful woman. Verse 23, I love what the message Bible says. The man said, finally. (laughs) You know, that's what we say when we are introduced to a woman that may be our wife. Finally, she showed up. Finally, she's on the scene. Finally. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You see, from the very beginning of time, God unified men and women as one. For she was made from men. Therefore, and this is this next part is brought out in every marriage ceremony that I've ever done and any marriage ceremony that you probably hear. Therefore, a man, and it's interesting that he put this right here. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They become one flesh. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked, which literally means they were vulnerable to each other. And this is something super important to remember today, that God wants our relationships to be vulnerable. He wants us to be open and honest, stripped of everything that's on us that would be a hindrance, stripped of everything on us that would be some kind of problem, and He wants us to be open with each other. This is one of the most vital points and truth points of any relationship we can have. From the very beginning of time, God wants us vulnerable with each other. And I love what it says after that. They were naked, but they felt no shame. You know what the enemy tries to put upon couples and people today? You know what one of the biggest problems is today that people carry on themselves that causes them to be drugged through life if they don't release it in that shame? From the very beginning of time, men and women, they did not feel any shame. And that's what God wants you to feel in your life. No shame. And if you feel it, whatever is causing that shame Remove it from your life. Remove it from your relationship. 
be as vulnerable as you can and be as open and honest as you can with each other and remove that shame. Ask God to take it away from you. And you're going to feel a lightness of a load. You're going to feel, you know, like you're going to be able to trek through life really with a lot of zest. Today, I want to talk about a love that lasts. A love that lasts. Because this is what God has for us. This is what Adam and Eve had for each other. And this is what God wants you to have today for people and all relationships. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 7 and 8, it's a verse also that we bring out in every wedding. You've heard it. You probably can memorize it. It's found in you know, one of the greatest love chapters of the world. And I want to read it to you. And I want to stop at certain points. Love always protects. We're talking about a love that lasts. Love always protects. That means in the Greek, I looked it up, to guard and to watch over. That's what love does. It protects. It guards and watches over each other. It always trusts. That literally means in the Greek to trust in and rely upon, commit to the charge of, confide in, and have a mental persuasion It always hopes. In the Greek, it means to trust in, to wait for, to look for, or desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future concerning that relationship. Love always perseveres. In the Greek, it means it's energetic, it's resistance, it's steadfast under pressure, and it's endurance in the face of trials. That's what perseveres means. And then it says, love never fails. That word fail in the Greek means it's never ended or never cut off. It is simply ongoing. Let me pray. Lord, would you open up our hearts this morning? Would you speak to our hearts? And would you help us to understand a little more about this love that is lasting and so precious in our lives? Thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. So the big question is this. Can I discover or can I and should I rediscover in my life that love that lasts? That's the question. Can I have this? Can I have this endless love? Can I have this red hot love? Can I have this love that's on fire in my marriage? Can I have this lasting relationship with my closest friends? The answer to that question is yes, you can. And in today's world, which is selfish, it's busy, it's energetic, a world full of technology. Is it possible to have that kind of lasting love? You know, when I need to press the reset button in my relationship with Deborah, here's a verse that I go to. And it's a good verse to go to. It's found in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. And there are times you need to press the reset button. You know, when your computer gets clogged up, your iPhone gets clogged up, and you have all these apps open, and something doesn't work, what do you do? 
you simply shut the phone off and you restart it. And for some reason, that seems to fix a lot of the problems. You know, I go to my tech man, which is Mark, sometimes, and he says, hey, you know, have you rebooted your phone or restarted your phone? I go, oh, what a brilliant move. And I do it, and it fixes my phone. We're going to press the reset button. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20 from the New King James Version. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It says, I have been. And here's the key. It is no longer I who live. Okay, there's a key right there. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. So you are not really living because Jesus has brought his life in you and it's Christ living through you, which of course then you really are living. So he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And then he says, and the life which I now live, everyone say the life I now live. That means present tense. The life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, which loved me and gave himself for me. All right, so this is a key idea. Write it down. Key idea number one. It's not me, but Christ who lives in me. That's the key idea right now. It's all about Christ in the center of my life. He helps me. He gives me hope so I can have a strong marriage, so I can have a strong relationship, so I can have a strong encounter with people. It is Christ who gave himself for me and it's Christ in me that makes me successful. You know, I grew up with this verse in mind and you've heard it too. It's found in Psalms 127, verse number one and it's from the New King James Version. Here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house... They labor in vain that build it. Correct? Unless the Lord, everyone say the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Which means that if you're working and you're toiling and you're sweating and you're doing all of this stuff to make it work yourself, it's not going to work. It may temporarily work, but in the long run, it's not. But if the Lord builds the house, it's going to be good. Everyone say it's going to be good. So that means it's Christ in me that's building. You know, from when I was a super small child, God started this work in me. And I didn't even know it. Can I take you on a quick journey in pictures? Because this is when God started building his house in me. So, like, here's some pictures of when I was a little boy and when Deborah was a little girl. Take a look. At that point, God was starting to work in me. Look at my little crew cut. I loved it. And look at Deborah. She just looks so precious and those beautiful eyes and those long eyelashes. Amazing. Then, you know, we became a little older, right? And we graduated from high school. There's my high school senior picture, and there's Deborah's high school senior picture. Look at my hair. Look at her hair. It's gorgeous. Look at the tie. It was a velvet tie. 
senior year in high school in 1974. Senior year in high school for Deborah in 1976. Amazing, right? So then we got a little older and I met Deborah and we started dating. We went to the ocean, which we still love doing from then to today. You know, we got together and held hands and smiled. It was amazing. The journey continued. The house was being built. And I didn't even realize the importance of this house that was being built until later on. All right. And then Deborah asked me to marry her. No, I asked her. And it was the day of our wedding. There it is. I'm looking at my ring. I'm looking at like that eternal moment. It's going to last a lifetime. And Deborah was looking at her bouquet. And that was the moment of, wow, this is really happening. And then the event came to where we were joined together on our wedding day. July 21st, 1979, 7 o'clock in the evening, in candlelight with about 400 people in attendance, we came together as one in front of people and exchanged vows. I sang to Deborah a wedding song, and she sang to me, and we did a duet. It was so precious. We have it on a CD. Someday I'll play it for you. It's really super cool. And it really meant a lot. So we got married. Oh my goodness, we had so much fun, and we're having so much fun. But it didn't stop there. We got married, and then there we are today. 40 years later today. I mean, July 21st, right? Yeah, come on. Yeah, 40 years. This is like our banner year. 40 years of marriage, 40 years of ministry. This year, 2019, it's a banner year. I was figuring last night with my grandson how beautiful it was and how beautiful it is to be married to Deborah, and we developed some hours and how many times I've really spoken to Deborah every single day, and it came up into the thousands. And then we started calculating how many messages I've preached in 40 years. Seven thousand and one messages. Today's the first of 7,001 messages in 40 years. That's a lot of messages to prepare for. Yeah? Come on. That's a lot. We got married and then all of a sudden the house started to get built that God was building and then our family expanded to the next slide and there we are. All 19 of us. God, give me a house that will fill it all. Right? <laughs> all the grandkids, including our latest, Chloe, with Mark and Natalie. And Daniel, he's now engaged as of this picture, and he's going to marry sometime this year a beautiful woman by the name of Leah. And, you know, they're going to have four, five, six, seven kids. <laughs> and... 
our family's going to be even larger. And, you know, who knows what Mark and Natalie are going to do. And I'm just saying, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And you know what? It's nothing that we have done. It's nothing Deborah and I have done. It's everything God has done. I think we should just thank God for what he does in our lives. Come on, give him a praise offering. Thank you, God, for what you've done. There are four pillars of relationships that I want to give to you this morning really quick because there's even some more we're going to go deeper into real, real quick. But I want to give you four pillars of relationships that helps build this house. This is what God does when he builds a house. Number one, listen to this. You can't truly love until you have received the love of God. Yeah? You can't truly love until you've received the love of God. Once you receive the love of God, you can truly love others to the maximum capacity. This morning, I filmed a minute of hope. By the way, if you're not signed up to receive a minute of hope, do it. This morning, I filmed 57 seconds on how God wants us to live unconditionally and love unconditionally. Point number two, you can't truly live until you have allowed Jesus to live through you. It's total surrender. Total surrender. Have you heard the story about the chicken and the pig? The chicken and the pig were taking a walk one day. And they said, hey, we just walked by a house that looks really, really poor. Let's provide some breakfast for them. And they said, great idea. And so the chicken said, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to produce some of the greatest looking grade A, double A, organic, grass-fed eggs that I've ever pumped out. The pig said, yeah, great idea. And then the pig said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to produce some of the greatest bacon, some of the greatest ham, some of the greatest fillets, and we're going to take it to this house. And so they said, great idea. Let's, and so they start walking, and they start talking about how this is going to come down. And all of a sudden, they just stopped in their tracks. And the pig looked at the chicken and said, it's pretty easy for you to produce your eggs but in order for me to produce the bacon, I've got to surrender my life. I've got to give it my all. <laughs> you know what? That's what we have to do. We have to surrender our all if we're going to truly live. Number three, you can't truly forgive until you have been forgiven. There's nobody that has said to Deborah, I love you more than me. I say it many times over during the day. Some of the greatest words on the planet, I love you. I tell her in creative ways. You tell your spouse or your best friends in creative ways, I love you. Those are some of the most powerful words. And can I just say, sons, say that to your dads and moms. Daughters, say it to your moms and dads. You know, say to your grandma and grandpa, text it during the day. Say I love you, it'll build a relationship. But you know what? There's no other person I've said I'm sorry to more than my wife. Yeah, I've made mistakes. Some of them have been pretty enormous, honestly. And I've had to come to her and say, you know, Deborah, I was wrong 
and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And she's always responded, Mark, yeah, I forgive you. The best part about forgiveness is the making up. Then we can hug and kiss and make out and it's all over. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, you can't truly lead a family if you're not planted in the family of God. It's a powerful statement. You see, these are timeless truths. You can't get rid of those truths. I want you to see this quote. In order for relationships to work, let the one who designed them define them. That makes all the difference in the world. That's powerful. It's all about him living in me, Christ in me. It's no longer I that lives, it's Christ in me. And since he designed me, he's going to define my relationships. He's going to define who I am, what I can be, and how I'm going to portray that to the ones I love the most. Whether you're married or whether you have, you know, best friends. What do they call it, BFF, best friends forever? You know, it's all about God defining those relationships. Let him do that. Okay, here's a key idea number two. All right? Key idea number two. God, help me to surrender myself totally to you so it's you living through me. Help me to totally surrender myself. So how do we get this love that lasts? How do we totally surrender? It's a good question. I'm glad you you asked. (laughs) Because sometimes we're not sure how to totally surrender, to be honest with you. How does Christ live in me in my relationships? Number one, invite Jesus into all of it, not just some of it. Come on, everyone say all. You know, are we good at kind of holding a place in our heart and not letting go of that and and being vulnerable to the person we love the most? Yeah, sometimes pride gets in the way. Sometimes those things get in the way and we just don't want to like, what if? What if I do this? What's she going to say? And how are they going to react? Oh, my goodness. Life decisions, situations. Listen, go all in in your relationship. Go all in. In your marriage, go all in in your relationships with your grandparents. Go all in with your relationships in your family, in your different seasons of life, just go all in. Reveal your heart to them. My daughter and son-in-law are living with us for two weeks while they're making a transition into a home. Our home is now filled with a lot of people. (laughs) And yesterday, my grandson, Josiah, said, hey, Papa, can I show you my coin set? Oh, yeah. So he goes in the garage where there's a bunch of boxes and he, he walks upstairs where I'm saying, he goes, here's my coin set. And we sat down on the ground and one by one for the next hour, he showed me all of his coins. And I asked him questions. Where do you get this? 
How did you want this? Why do you want this? Did you buy this? Was it given to you? Like he started talking about all these kind of things. And it, we just developed such a good relationship just by doing that. It got deeper in his heart. It's, it's so much fun. Go all in in your relationships. If you're married or if you're not married, go all in to the extent of limitations, obviously, that God sets. Go all in and just be open and honest. I remember the story of Jesus at the wedding. It was the first time Jesus ever exposed himself really to the public in this way. And I love this because it was at a wedding. And you know the story. It's found in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The thing about this wedding, listen to this. Jesus was invited to the wedding. He didn't just show up. He wasn't a party crasher. He wasn't a wedding crasher. He just, you know, didn't show up and said, here I am, the son of God. No, he just was invited to the wedding. And you know the story. It's, it's a beautiful story. It says in scripture in John 2, verses 1 through 11, uh, verse number, I think it's 3, it says, Mary realized, Mary, of mother of Jesus, and said, oh no, they don't have any wine. Jesus, can you do something about it? She knew who she had. She knew her son well. He wasn't yet exposed as one that could do miracles. Not yet. But Mary knew what he could do. Listen, our moms and dads know the potential within us. Can I just say that? Speak that potential. That's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart. Train him up in the ways of the Lord. Listen, if you have a wayward child, can I just say to you, he's or she's going to go back to their roots, and they're going to come back home, and they're going to love Jesus like they've never loved him before. Why? Because they've been established on a good foundation. So keep calling them home. Mary went to Jesus secretly, said, hey, Jesus, Jesus. They ran out of wine. What do we do? Jesus said this, my dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. That's amazing. Jesus was saying this, right? Well, verse number five says, Mary then went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. <laughs> Why could she say that to them? Because she knew the potential of Jesus. That's a great word for us all. Listen, whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. You thought Nike had it? No. Listen, Jesus had it first. Mary had it first. Just do it. Whatever he says to you, just do it. And so they did. Verse 6, now there were six stone water pots standing nearby. They were meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one held, get this, 
Each pot held 20 gallons or more. 20 gallons. This was a big wedding. Jesus came to the servers and told them, remember, whatever he says to do, just what? He told them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. I love that, right up to the very brim. Jesus didn't waste any room. Can I tell you this morning, make sure that you are filled with the living water to the brim of your life. Why? So you can spill out. So you can splash upon others. So other people can get soaked by what you offer them. Be filled with the brim. Well, Jesus filled, you know, told them to fill the pots and they filled the pots to the very brim. Uh, by the way, that's a good thing to do in your marriage and relationships. Fill yourself with the brim so you can always pour out to the one you love the most. And what you think is just plain is going to turn into something very rich and aged and will taste very good. Keep yourself filled to capacity, friends, so you can pour yourself out. I feel God breathing on this this morning. Verse eight, then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies. Notice he didn't even say, bring them to me. He said, now take those pots that are full and give them to the master of ceremonies. So you can just see the people like carrying these pots, like, ah, you can't spill this, man. Jesus said to the brim, we can't even. So they walk in very carefully and they presented them to the master of ceremonies. And during the process of them carrying what they were carrying to Jesus, something happened. Now listen to this truth this morning. When you carry something to the master of your life, there is a transformation that takes place when they are presented to him because Jesus is your master of ceremonies. And when you bring what you think is just plain Jane and plain old stuff and something that may not be of significance like water, when you hand them over to Jesus, he turns them into something so valuable that everyone is going to comment. Do you understand this? This is good this morning. And I'm telling you this morning, whatever you are carrying to Jesus, he's going to transform it. If it's your life, if it's your wife, if it's your children, if it's your, your work, if it's your finances, just make sure you're bringing it to Jesus because transformation is going to take place the very moment you present it to the master. Hallelujah. Come on, say thank you, Jesus. Man, this is good teaching this morning. You got to get in and do it and give it your all. I love what happened here. When the master of ceremonies looked at it, it says the water became wine. And when he tasted the water, this is verse number nine, when he tasted the water that became wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed although he didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servers knew. He called the bridegroom over and said to the bridegroom, hey, buddy, come here. Can I talk to you for a moment? Sure. Bridegroom, uh, bridegroom, bride, bridegroom, come here. Uh, Daniel, you're going to be a 
a bridegroom, come here, come here. Got a question for you at this wedding. Come here. <laughs> just, you know, don't, don't make it a, don't make it a scene. But I just want to, I just, I just want to, I just want to say to you, man, listen, where'd you get this wine, man? Because you saved the best to last. Like, where'd you get the money for this? <laughs> and I could just see Jesus going up to the bridegroom saying, I got you covered. I can see the master of ceremonies, you know, saying to the bridegroom, Wow, you're amazing. Didn't know this wedding was going to be this amazing. Good job. Let's go drink and be happy. Amazing. Thanks. And he slowly just kind of walked away and the people tasted the wine and it was the best. Every host serves his best first, usually, but you saved it to last. And all of a sudden, the miracle of Jesus became famous, and we're talking about it 2,000 years later, and guess what? Jesus is still performing miracles today with water, whose buckets are filled to the brim. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. So how do, you, how do you get this love that lasts? Remember I said, number one, invite Jesus to all of it. Number two, uh, work on your marriage. Work on your relationships. Oh, by the way, I want to say, Jesus, remember, didn't just show up. He was invited. Invite Jesus to every situation of your life and see what happens. He's going to show up and work a miracle. Number two, work on your marriage. How many of you know marriage takes work, huh? Can you say amen, those that are married? Oh my goodness, does marriage take work? Listen, it just doesn't happen. You know that. It's blood, sweat, tears, fights, and fantastic times. Yeah, Deborah and I have had some pretty good arguments. She's a good fighter. Oh my goodness. She knows how to fight, and I know how to fight too. I'm Italian. We have some really good fights. If you were flying the wall, you'd be, oh my goodness, really? I mean, we're honorable to each other in those fights, in those disagreements. We really are honorable to each other, but put up your dukes. Come on, baby. Let's see. No. Right? Funny story. There was a young man and an old man taking a walk. And the young man said, Marriage is like a walk in the park. It's like a stroll in the park. <laughs> and the older man looked at the young man and said, yeah, it's like walking through Jurassic Park. <laughs> ah, you know, it's like... <laughs> We've got to work on our marriages. But it works. We need tools. Can I give you some tools really quick as I close? All right, here's some tools to work on your marriage. Okay, be available. 
to each other. Always be available. Deborah has availability to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year, forever. I'll be in a meeting with you. I will not answer my phone, but if she calls, I will answer my phone and say, excuse me for a moment. Be available. That's what love language is. Be available. Work at learning to love each other. Number two, be attentive to each other. Listen carefully. Be attentive. It's like, you know, we come home from work, we sit in the chair, we drink our coffee or whatever you're drinking, and our wife is talking to us, and she's unloading on her day, and, she, and you know, you say, yeah, sure, mm-hmm, good, you know, and she goes, really? Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then, you know, a half hour later, she says, I went ahead and pressed the buy now button, like you said I could do. You say, what? You did what? That just cost us $399. You pressed the buy button? Yeah, you said you could, I could do it. When did I say that? Just a few minutes ago when you were sitting in your chair. Really? <laughs> yeah, you gave me permission. Did I really give you permission to do that? Be attentive. Listen, notice. Uh, next, be aware. Don't assume you know. Ask questions. Are you okay? Did that make you feel good or bad? Do we need to talk about this? Be aware of the situation. D, be affectionate. Plan a getaway with your wife. Or if you have friends, you know, and you're really close to them, plan a day getaway somewhere. Just take time. Next, be appreciative. Two words our spouses don't hear enough. Guess what it is? Thank you. Thank you. We had dinner last night. Amber, she made us some amazing sauce and spaghetti. And we sat down, and little Micah, who is, what, seven years old, Deborah? He looked at Amber. He said, Mom, thank you for making this dinner. It's so good. I said, Micah, what'd you just say? He said, I just told my mommy thank you. I said, you just made a dollar from Papa. I said, Thanksgiving has its benefits. (laughs) And throughout the rest of the dinner, he goes, Mom, this is really good. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Like he was trying to get like extra dollars, I could tell. (laughs) It was so funny. Like if I would pay him for every time he said thank you, I probably would have unloaded like 15 bucks to him. But he only got one. Say thank you. Uh, next, be, be aggressive. Be aggressive. Fight for your marriage. Don't fight in your marriage. Just fight for your marriage. Listen, there's a couple here this morning that legally divorced themselves from their marriage. And that same couple legally got remarried to each other for the second time. In the past four months, we've seen three marriages 
that were on the rocks, ready to call it quits, get revived and renewed. The last text I got from one of them was, Mark, we have just dropped our guitar. (laughs) They said, Mark, we have made the decision to fully give everything over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it feels so good. Levi Lusko, who is a pastor of a great church, says this. If your marriage isn't working, perhaps you're not working at it. Put in the work and watch it work. How do I get a love that lasts? Number three, get right with your maker and you will draw close to your mate. Sometimes, come on, we all blow it. And we feel shame, we feel rejection, we feel animosity, we feel all this stuff that gets on us. How many of you know it can really weigh you down, right? I mean, we feel like ugly and dirty. Listen, God is a God of grace. Just make it right. There's times that I've just got in my room after a a hard time and I just feel so yucky, like, I blew it. But thank God for his grace. Do I hear an amen? Yeah? I just say, hey God, I'm sorry. I like, I blew it. Like I, I was unkind to Deborah. I tried not to be, but I was and I feel convicted and God forgive me. And I feel him washing my body with refreshing water at a waterfall. Get right with your maker and you will draw close to your mate. I guess all I'm saying is be the best version of yourself in your relationships. Be the best version of yourself, right? Just be the best version. Who knows, some of you may have come to church with a huge argument in the car and then you come to church and say, hey, good morning, everybody. (laughs) It's so good to see you. Can't wait till this is over so I can tell her how I really feel in the car. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's happened to me. But then the grace of God goes to work and all of a sudden it's like I get in the car and say, honey, I just love you so much. Don't get the wrong idea. We don't fight a lot. We rarely fight, but I'm just saying in, in 40 years of marriage, you have your times. And be lying to you to say we don't. But you know what? God's been faithful to us, right? Those of you that are married a long time, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. God's so faithful. Those of you that are looking to marriage, those of you that are married, and those of you that are looking to call it quits, just show unconditional love to each other. Then you'll be okay, right? Stand on the word. It makes the difference. This will help you become stronger together. And that's the focus of this series. I want to be stronger together. I want to be stronger together with Deborah. I want to be stronger together with you. I want to be strong together in all my relationships with my kids and my grandkids. I want to be strong. And I feel like I am, but I can get stronger. We all can. 
keep going to the spiritual gym and work out. It's really good. Pray with me. Lord, so thank you. Thank you for loving us like you do. And we stand here this morning saying thank you for your goodness and your grace, for your love. And thank you, Lord, you're helping us become stronger together. Let's stand together this morning if we can. And Lord, we just say, we give our lives to you afresh and anew this morning. In fact, can we just all say this? This is our activation this morning. And this is the challenge. Try and stay as strong as you can the rest of this week in every situation. But let the springboard be this prayer. Everyone in the house, pray this together with me. And if you're watching, pray this also. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, this is a prayer of dedication, all of us. Lord Jesus, I dedicate my life to you. I dedicate my relationships to you. I dedicate my marriage to you. I dedicate my friends. I dedicate most of all my heart. Let me walk with you all the days of my life. And today, afresh and anew, I commit myself to you and all my relationships. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody says, Thank you so much for joining us today and being a vital part of what God is doing in His people. We hope that this message impacted you and that you were blessed. We would love to connect with you about this message and what God is doing in your heart. You can email us at info at glorymountain.com or visit our website, glorymountain.com. You can also give online to support what God is doing at Glory Mountain. Have a blessed week.